This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking TV today with um, someone who's no stranger to Media Week, um, hasn't been in it for a um, well a few months, maybe even a year or two, but uh, Marek Watts, welcome back to Media Week. James, great to see you again and speak to you. Um, and it has probably been even longer than that because I've kind of uh, been a little bit dormant. But now I'm back and I'm active and I'm back on Media Week, which means that uh, <laughs> something's going right or wrong for me. Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I guess we first... Was it back in 2000 when um, Nova Sydney started? Correct. 2001. 2001 Nova started. 2001. Okay, yeah. So we mean we... Media Week never really covered the, the Triple J years because it wasn't commercial radio and we don't don't really focus on that much. But you nah. certainly got our radio big time from um, from um, Paul Thompson when they launched Nova here in Sydney and um, for a long time after that. Yep, yep. So we're all we're old chums now. <laughs> now so of course, be kind to me, James. Is what I'm saying. I want I want some really flattering comments made about me, please. Okay, I'll see what we can do. Um, <laughs> Now, we're talking to you today, of course, because you're one of the recruits on, uh, as, as we speak this morning, the new number one show on Australian TV. So I guess congratulations for that. Yeah, I had very little to do with the success of the show, but thank you. I will take full credit. But I think um, anybody who's watched that first episode, you, you make your mark, though. They, they, you, I mean, you, you, it's fair to say you don't star in that first episode episode because it's really the, the sort of coverage is spread across the recruits yep. but yep. the the steely look in your eyes does not go unnoticed in that first episode um what did what did you think about how you looked when you first got to look at the finished product look i it's interesting i know what you're talking about the steely glaze it's um it's certainly very much what i call you know like um, laser focus and it's um, look I kind of I was very aware when when I was kind of in that mental mode uh, that I probably looked different because I was incredibly focused and you have to be because if you're not you will get very badly hurt um, or you will make you know some sort of erroneous decision you need to be focused and switched on it is imperative but when I saw my face I was like Dude, seriously, have a Snickers bar and relax, mate. Really, like, what do you do? You need to do a poo or something? What is wrong with you? Um, but it's it's something that I've I've taken from uh, my time on the show, and and um, it's been a, a really great learning in myself, which is that I really like um, mental dexterity. I like I love the ability that I have to go from being very very serious, like laser focused serious. Uh, back to being a comedian and being a fool and being, you know, my most comfortable self. And then when I need to switch back on, I can just do it straight away without hesitation. And I love the fact that I'm able to do that. And I, I kind of always knew that it was within me to, to be a clown and also to, to be um, a serious person. But um, the ability to switch it as fast as I like has been really very uh, rewarding learning for me. Now, I'm guessing you would have been offered the chance to go in quite a few reality shows mm -hmm. over the last two decades. Would that be right? Yeah, correct. But I think we know my um, talent scope and it doesn't uh, go as broadly as dancing or singing 
or um, many other things, really. Uh, I'm not even sure it goes to SAS or even comedy. Let, let's put it all on the table, James. Um, I don't know what my talent scope is. Yes, I have been asked to do lots of um, television shows before uh, that are based in reality, but this is the first show that is actually real, as far as I'm concerned, real, real reality. There is absolutely no scripting. It is exactly as they say it is. I cannot emphasise that enough. It is real. It is exactly as they promote it to be. Um, from the moment you get hooded and you go on that course to the moment you step off, no matter what period that is for any, any contestant, it is 100% flat chat, real and uh, unstoppable. It is, um, it's a 24-7 proposition. You never, ever relax. You never wind down. It is real. And there's no second takes. There's no pickups. It is remarkable you never speak to a producer you don't even see them you only see the camera people and the audio people who are, are there but they don't speak to you and literally within a day or two you are so aware and focused on trying to survive the tasks and to do your best that they just they they you don't even see them it's bizarre um and that's the reason why i did it and you know i've already stated this before that um, perhaps unlike other people, uh, I was very quick to volunteer for it. I was a big fan of the show, James, from seeing it on the internet. Um, I was very, very aware of the English version, both the civilian and the celebrity version, um, and I thought it was incredible. I was so blown away by how real it was uh, that I thought, oh, I want to be a part of it. I rang my agent as soon as I heard, saw the release for it and said, you have got to get me on the show. I will do anything to get on this show. And they said, um, okay, are you sure? I mean, you don't do reality shows. And I said, this is beyond, this is beyond reality. Are you still with token artists, Kevin White? Yes, I am. Yep. Okay. okay. Well, God, I mean, fingers crossed, who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, could I ask you the, probably the closest show to this and, and, and I'll say that by noting it's also still quite different as maybe Survivor. Mm -hmm. Were you ever asked to go on Survivor? Um, I think I think my managers asked me if it was something I would do. I don't remember. I may have been um, formally approached to do Survivor. I actually I genuinely can't tell you whether or not I've been formally approached. Um, but Survivor is not the sort of show that I would gravitate to the way I did with SAS. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The two big distinctions is, is for me is, number one, my profound respect for Special Forces operators. I have friends who are um, former operators and I've forged great friendships with them. Uh, I've always had a fascination with Special Forces ever since I was a child. And the two things that I really loved when I was a kid, I loved reading about the SAS and I loved comedy. I loved comedy movies in the SAS. And I know that they seem holds apart but again you know i think that kind of follows the form of what i like to think is you know mental dexterity in in my interests um the other thing with um survivor versus sas for me the distinction is that with sas you you have to operate as a team everybody has to get their shoulder behind that wheel if you want to go deep in that show you have to be part of a, a collective. The team has to be working for everyone at all times. There cannot be, um, you know, selfish thoughts or, or actions. It needs to be cohesive. Whereas Survivor, for me, feels more Machiavellian. It's all about tactics and undermining and, and betrayal and those sorts of elements. In SAS, there is no time for that. There's no time for you trying to set anybody up to, to lie to them, to betray them. You get exposed on the SAS for who you 
really are. And they say that again and again and again, and it is totally true. Whoever you truly are will be exposed very, very quickly on that show. And the longer you're on it, the more exposed you are. And the public get to see this in a way that cannot be fabricated. It cannot be um, acted. It can't be in any way manipulated. It is. You are who you are on that show. In that first episode, we got to see some one-on-one competition in the boxing. Is there much of that throughout the series where you get to compete head-to-head with someone else? Look, I've had a lot of requests for the entire cast to bash me. Um, They said, look, it's great that Mitchell Johnson bashed you up, but is there a chance that we can watch everybody from Chappelle Corby all the way through to James Magnuson punch your head in. Uh, Unfortunately, I can't fulfill that request. I think I've done my duty to Australia by offering a great entertainment form of watching me get knocked out. Um, But unfortunately, the repetition of that would become tiresome, particularly for me. Um, There is um, certainly some very highly competitive elements in it. Tonight's episode, which is obviously the Tuesday of the first week as we speak, um, is... Again, incredibly brutal, incredibly brutal um, and very, very competitive. Uh, and in the second episode is actually when I, I uh, fractured my second rib. So in the first episode on, on day one, uh, fighting Mitchell Johnson, Mitchell caught me in the uh, left rib and I knew straight away that uh, he'd probably given me a fracture. Um, and then the next day it gets worse. I actually hear the second rib go crack. Oh, on the course, and I thought at, that was at one moment when I just thought, I reckon you are in massive trouble, Mez. If you can't get up and go now, you might not get up and go now. So um, I, I made the choice that I would uh, I would get up and, and try to keep going. Um, medical assistance if something like that happened? There is if you call for it. Technically what happens is if, if you... Um, wish to speak to the medic, you have to go through the DS first, this protocol. So you have to request that through the DS, unless you're not going to get up off the ground, the medic will come to you. But I mean, even in the first episode when I'm like poleaxed, no medic came to speak to me. Mm. Um, you know, I was too busy getting straight in the river, uh, which was strangely refreshing for me because my rib was killing so much. It felt good. Um, I was probably the only person who was happy for that. Uh, but no, there's, you know, behind the scenes, uh, there was a moment after I cracked the second rib where um, I was in quite a lot of pain and I was actually concerned about whether or not the rib had broken and potentially cause any internal issues, maybe puncture something internally or tear something internally if the rib had snapped. Um, so I sought out the, the medic to get just an appraisal. I knew that there'd be nothing he could do because the conditions of the show. Um, and he did an examination and he said, I believe you've got two fractured ribs. Uh, there's nothing I can do for you. They don't appear to be snapped. Um, uh, I was offered uh, pain relief at the time uh, in the form of ibuprofen, um, which I refused and walked out of the medic's office. Right. So I guess we've got to be careful because you can't really reveal what happens, can you, past um, from when we're talking? So Look, I shoot my mouth off, James. You know me. I'm a moron. I can be coerced into – if I think it's a good story for me, I can be coerced and reveal Can I ask then, did you have to retire on medical ground? No, I did not. Okay. Okay. I'll no, I did not. You can – that's – look, there's – you've actually touched on one of the good points, James. There's really only a few ways out of this course is that 
The big one is voluntary withdrawal, and that's what the DS are aiming for. That's the purpose of the show. It's for you to grab that number on your left arm, peel it off your arm, and hand it over to the DS and say, I'm out, tapping out. And you cannot march back from that. So that's what they're, they're trying to make you do. They're trying to break you physically and mentally at the same time. So that's the big one. Um, of course, if you are uh, severely injured um, and you do not wish to go on, you can go out on those medical grounds. Or I'm sure if somebody was injured badly enough that the, the show producers, the medical staff and the DS would want the best thing for you and you would be taken off course. And, of course, the last thing is the DS can actually extract you from the course if they, do, if they believe that you are not um, uh, suitable for the course at that time, they can make the decision to to take people off course. So there's they're the three three ways out. Now you said they're trying to break you. Now I presume they they're doing that to make you in real life a better soldier. I guess it's not because yep. they have some sick you know no, um, no. pleasure out of uh, hurting no. people. Right? No no no, it's not like that. And when when we talk about breaking people, it's not about like trying to you know hurt your little feelings. Um, although they hurt your little feelings, <laughs> you'd be in massive trouble in there. You really would. You're a very sensitive guy and I admire that about you, but you wouldn't last long. Um, it's not, it's not about, you know, your feelings. It's it, when they talk about mental strength and, uh, you know, being, uh, about mind over body, I think what I understand from it now, having been on it, it's the mental strength is about mind over matter, your mind over your body. It's about being in a painful situation, whether or not it's you know through effort or through injury, and overcoming that and going beyond that by having your your mind master your body, not your body master your mind. So I think that's what they mean by that. So they're not trying to break you mentally by you know um, giving you some sort of psychological torture. What they're trying to do is see whether or not you can connect your mind to your body and get it to work to uh, a purpose. So, you know, if you think about it in battlefield terms, if you were injured or one of your teammates was injured and you had to carry them a great distance, but you got really sore legs and you were really tired and you would like to have a rest, but you know that if you do, your your friend, your partner, your, your uh, teammate, you, you know, your fellow soldier will bleed to death. So you have to dig deep and find that. And I think that's what it's about. They try to break you to see whether or not you've got that ability to go that extra mile to go that next level. Now, you, so you're someone who likes to keep pretty fit. How far above your sort of normal fitness level did, did you feel you needed to get before starting the show? Uh, look, I did put in a greater effort. I increased it slowly. I didn't have a trainer or anything like that. I just kind of followed some advice that I had from uh, friends of mine who are ex-Special Forces operators. And um, so, you know, I increased my cardio and increased my strength stuff and, and resistance. You know, I did a million push-ups. But um, I think the, the big thing that I was told to do and which I followed was about um, endurance. And the endurance is not saying, you know, like doing a marathon. There's very, very little benefit in me running. I did run a half marathon on my own. Um, as part of the training, but I didn't need to. It's the endurance of your um, pain thresholds and your mind, again, your mind over your body. And that was the first time I experienced it. I was uh, committed to doing a six-hour pack march with 40 kilos on my back, which um, is an enormous amount of weight to take. That's twice as much as we were taking on the actual show. Um, I committed to double the weight and six hours, which I – 
I reasoned in my mind would be longer than anything they could do to us on the course. So I thought if I could do that as a, as a, um, an example to myself, then I would have um, a, an advantage going into it. Um, and what became very evident quickly was at about three hours, you are in total pain. Like you, it's, it's, there's no, and I was wearing the boots that I wore on the course. I was not, you know, in a pair of trainers. Um, I was fully kitted out. I had no food with me at all. I'd eaten nothing. I just went on with a backpack and, and some water. Um, and at three hours, your brain starts to think differently. And what you start to do after about four hours is you start trying to find excuses as to why you should stop. And that's your, that's your survival mechanism telling you that your body is suffering so badly that it's telling the mind, make a reason, find a reason to make this stop. And that's when, that was the first time I realized that connection between the mind and the body and the control is that your mind has to say, shut up and keep going. And then at the end of six hours, when you've lost four toenails and your feet are bleeding, you go, probably should have listened to my mind. Probably should listen to the body back there, mind. Um, because for me, that six hours, at the end of that, I was absolutely cooked in a way that I've never been before. I was broken and it took me a, probably a good week to properly recover to a point where I could, you know, get any f sort of real exercise done. What sort of condition were you in when you stopped filming? Uh, oh, it, you, it's, you don't have to be on that show very long to realise that you the better the fat supplies you have going in there, the better you will be. You do not want to go in skinny because you lose weight at a, at a massive rate. Like I was pretty light going in anyway. I mean, I normally sit around about 84 kilos. And I think I went on, I was about to go in and I was 81 and I, I tried to put some fat back on in the last week as I realized I was too lean. And so I reckon I went in about 82 and I swear, I reckon in like a couple of days, so, you know, really where we are now, I was losing weight. I could tell, I could feel it, that I was burning through fat because we're malnourished. They, they keep a very, very short supply of calories to you each day. And that's part of, you know, that, that trying to break you is lack of sleep. This is what the, the things that people I don't think see, they see all the physical challenges and they're awesome because they're a spectacle. But what they don't see is the hardest parts are broken sleep and a lack of it constantly on high alert, knowing that at any stage something will just kick off. Um, constantly cold, so your, your body is burning calories to keep you warm. So you're constantly cold. You're always cold in there. Um, and that is very, very hard to um, overstate uh, how much impact that has. Um, and you are malnourished. You know, they, they deliberately draw back your calories. And on some days... I reckon we might have got like a thousand calories on one day, and there's no way no, on any day you're burning any less than five or six thousand calories. No way, it's impossible. It's impossible. So you're probably you know burning something closer to ten thousand, um, and you might only get a thousand calorie supply. So those things, yeah, that's and that is designed to you know your brain changes when you're hungry. You think differently. You're fatigued. You're tired. You're exhausted, and you are literally starving to the point where you know you know that eventually you're going to run out of fat supplies and your body's going to start eating the muscle. You, so you, because you were aware of the program and you'd watched it, you knew the sort of things you would have to go through, although yep. you weren't ready for how you'd feel, I guess. But do you think, were you better prepared than most of the other contestants or all of them? 
Um, I think like, did some go in not realising at all how bad it could get? Oh, totally, totally. You know, and look, to be fair, I, I was shocked. I think we were all shocked. James Magnuson and I, um, we, we speak a lot, we're good mates, but we, we still, you know, watching the episode last night, we were still like, man, we had no idea it was going to kick off that fast, that hard. And it was not jumping out of the helicopter. It was getting out of the helicopter, getting dry after being freezing cold. And then all of a sudden, we are like literally straight away, face down in the mud crawling. And we're going, hang on a second. I thought we were going to have a cup of tea and a bit of a chat about how hectic the helicopter was. No, 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 not, we're not doing that. We're going to eat some mud. Um, so the preparation that I did, you know, I, I did more military-style training. And I think that was um, an in hindsight, a good move for me. I didn't spend any time in gyms. I think I went to the gym three times in eight months. So I wasn't interested in trying to body sculpt. That's, I don't think, I think that's a, a, an erroneous decision to make. Um, don't worry about how you're going to look because you're going to get ripped. Um, I think that it's, it's about endurance, finding the, the exercise and the preparation, physical and mental endurance is what you want. Did you get to connect at all with the other contestants much during it? Massively, yeah. massively. You form a bond very, very quickly with some people and it's just, it's awesome. You know, like I've spoken to some of the contestants today on the phone, um, had chats, you know, um, in contact with, with some of the people. Um, yeah, you just, you bond with some people very, very quickly. Some people take a little bit longer and that's just the nature of humanity. But, you know, like the moment I met Sabrina, I just instantly clicked with her. I really, really, really like her. She's just an awesome human being and an absolute weapon on course. Um, uh, James Magnuson, Mags and I are good mates and we, uh, you know, we live close together so uh, we, we catch up and, and, um, and see each other. Candice I was speaking to today, she's fantastic and just was so good on course because she's very nurturing and very, very caring for other people. And that's one thing I noticed that I think we all did is you... After, when things start to get tough, you will gravitate to people who care. That's, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for strength. You want to be around strong people um, because it is a strength in numbers game. But um, the, the people that you gravitate to are the people who care, who care about other people's well-being. And they are the people that you just can't help but be, you know, magnetised and drawn towards. And, you know, Candice was like a mother. Um, in a lot of ways. I reckon I was a bit like a dad, mainly because I insisted on lighting the fires all the time. Um, and also, too, I was the oldest contestant there. Um, Shannon was like a medic. You know, he was like a, a quasi-medic. He knew so much about our bodies and what was happening to us physically that Shannon was just awesome. He helped me out massively um, by, you know, helping me with getting through some of the, the issues that I was facing physically. Um, and you just and just people who just make you laugh and feel good. Um, you, you get drawn to, to good characters, and there's a lot in there. Uh, in that first episode in the boxing, we see Sabrina pick Mick to have a punch on with. Uh, yeah, Badger. Uh, yeah. Badger, yeah. Um, did that surprise you and the others at the time? Totally it did. Totally it did. Because it was day one and, and like... It, that was that was a really smart move by her, really intelligent move. She made a massive statement by doing that, and we were we were shocked. I would not have wanted to be in Badger's shoes. I don't reckon Badger would want to have been in his shoes, but he did the right thing by giving Sabrina what she needed and what she wanted, which was to take on 
the biggest guy, the hardest looking bloke, and she knew his reputation and she knew too that he would not um, deny her that combative nature, whereas perhaps I would have. Um, perhaps, you know, James would have. I know that, you know, we have talked about how difficult or uncomfortable it would have been having to glove up against a woman. Um, and it would have been very, very difficult for, for any man, any man there. He certainly didn't take any glee in doing it. But the other thing too is, you know, like Mitchell Johnson smashed my face in. But mm. you, you walk away, like one minute later, you know, you're back in that, that, that brethren, you're back in that, that, um, that group, that, that team. So there's certainly no hard feelings and it was, it was, there's nothing personal. It's just, it's just got to be done. And I respect her. I respected her from the moment I met her. But after that, I just went, she is real deal. For me as a viewer, that was the thing that made me realise that the producers aren't going to step in here because on Correct. a lot of shows it, you would be nervous about a, a big bloke punching a woman. Oh, totally. It, it wouldn't come across and I think a lot of shows just wouldn't allow it. But but for me that was thought, gee whiz, this show's real, you know. Oh, that's, and that's that's... Like, we, I reckon we knew it was real before that, but that's when the viewers go, okay, this is legitimate. Yeah. Because, and I can tell you, you can't see it on the screens, but uh, on a hill on yonder, a long way away, the producers were there. You could see a group of people that we were too far away to have any contact with, but we knew that they were producers. And I was thinking at the time, you know, the, the, the media part of my mind was thinking, if they don't step in to stop this, this is going to be the realest thing that anyone is ever going to see on television. Yeah. And sure enough, no one even moved. And I went, that's the rules. The DS control this. The DS didn't step in. Um, Aunt Middleton, he was 100% behind it. It was her choice. She called Nick out and deliberate. She knew, I reckon she knew the moment we arrived at that spot and saw those gloves that she was going to call out Badger. During the um, production, did people confide in you they wanted to leave and did, did you get involved in all and, and helping them, you know, come to the decision whether they'd stay or go? Um, I, I don't, no, I don't think there's, there's some people that you, when you can see somebody um, struggling, you want to you want to try and bring them with you, and you, you can give them. It's it, they might not say. It. I don't think people tend to verbalise and have a discussion about you know the the pros and cons of staying or going. I think it, it's it's a it's a moment. You have a moment, and that's it. You know, I think that you know uh, that's the way it works, and that's the way I've, I'm speaking, not just reflectively of of what I've seen on. TV show that I was involved in, but what I've seen in the UK versions, you know, it's not, there's no sitting around um, the, the pros and cons of it. It's just, it happens. But I think when you're on the course there, you can see people and they might, they might be, you can just get a sense. And, you know, I'm a people person. I like to read people and you can get a sense. And so, you know, there's a moment there where you can offer uh, some comfort um, or light relief, you know, tell a joke, just go and tap them on the shoulder, um, tease them a bit, you know, pick them up and you can snap people out of that um, because everybody at some stage is going to have a low moment. It's about how, how low your moments are and about whether or not they are going to control the decisions you make. Do, do you know if anybody, because they, they ask you to reconsider, I think, when you first say when there's the voluntary um, departure, I think Anne asked Roxy if she really, you know, did she certain? Do you know if they 
if anybody changed their mind after that um, their initial decision and said, look, oh, I might give it another try? Um, not that I'm aware of. Okay. I, I think that I think once you take your armband off, that's it. Yeah. I don't I don't think you come back from that. I think maybe with Roxy, it might have been because it was so soon. It was so quick. You know, yeah. like we had been there for hours. Uh, you know, we'd had that was just after lunch. <laughs> that was literally just after we had some lunch. Mm. You know, like I think I think we had a, a chicken wrap for lunch, and I was thinking, oh, maybe this isn't that bad. Bang! And I was wrong. So. You know, I think it was very, very early doors. I mean, Roxy didn't even spend a night there. Um, so, it, yeah, I think that they may have tried to give her the opportunity to reconsider, um, possibly more than I've seen them do with other people, uh, both, you know, here and in the overseas versions. Yeah. Before I let you go, give us a quick heads up on, on what else is going on there. You've been doing a fair bit of promotion for this. You are, I think you were back in at Nova recently. Yep. Yeah, it's been good. How was that? It's been great because I've been reconnecting with lots of old friends in radio um, and that's been wonderful because uh, I've got so many friends on so many networks in so many cities that it's really nice to, to catch up and, and talk to friends. Um, so I've been enjoying doing the, the promotion for the show and also too because I'm really proud of it. I really, I really, really want the show to do well because I saw, you know, the great lengths that the, the, the producers and the crew and everyone involved in making it went through. I mean, really, I know that it looks like it's the most brutal thing for us, but for a lot of people, there was a lot on the line for the show. You know, it's been a rating success and that's great, but I'm happy for them more than I'm happy for me for that. Um, but I, I've enjoyed, you know, talking about the show because I, I think it's an unreal show. It's, you know, it's, it's a great show. It's just a really, really, really good show. Um, it's not because it's not my show. I'm just in it. But yeah. I'm really, really happy that people get to see it um, for what it is. And I, I think that's uh, a great part of it. Um, as far as insights go, oh, yeah, you're going to see some stuff. You're really? going to see some stuff. So you stay gonna... tuned, you reckon? Sorry? Stay tuned. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's some, there, there's definitely. Um, How much have you seen? Uh, I, I've only seen the first episode. I, I, I'm oh, watching really? it. No, I'm watching it in real time. I've had some clips sent to me, but nothing, you know, not really. Okay. Um, I'm watching it in real time with everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see some people um, go, um, and it's quite it's quite shocking. Yeah. Um, you're going to see us get beasted, and that's like the river thing when we got dumped in the river. Pfft, nothing. Nothing real beastings come, and beastings are um, quite significant. They they play a bigger role than people think. That they beastings are about breaking you, you know. And if you behave badly, or the group is responsible for something, or somebody in the group is responsible for a behaviour, and the the group has to take the beasting for it, it can mean an enormous amount to an individual. It can literally break people. Have you, enjoyed, have you enjoyed a, a bit of a break from the media and have you knocked back a few offers over the last couple of years to, to, to have that break? Uh, no, look, I, I think, yeah, look, I've, there's been things that I've, I um, have chosen not to do. Um, I, I, I love the media. I love working in media. I love, I'm really enjoying television. I like, you know, it's, it's different. I love going back to radio, but I don't, um, at this stage, I don't, I don't have that desire to, to go back 
to radio in the, the sense that I was working. I loved radio and I left it. The last year I was doing radio was one of my favorite years of my entire career. You know, and I was afforded a really, really great way to leave radio as well. You know, I had 20 years, um, Triple M and, the, and the, the, uh, the programmers and the network, everyone was really, really respectful and, and grateful. And I had a great year, finished on good ratings. Everything went really, really well. So it doesn't feel like there's, any, there's no, there's no um, angst or, or bitterness or, or any of the, the, the problems that um, some people get when they leave radio so I don't feel like that's a door that's closed to me at all but also too it's not a door that I particularly want to open right now I'm really enjoying doing um, a, a wider range of things um, I do like being in the media it's it's fun it's exciting you get to speak honestly and openly um, but I've, I've said no to the right things and I reckon I've said yes to the to the right things as well so you know I've, I've tried to um, and the SAS the is the best example of that it was 100% in my mind something that I wanted to do had to do needed to be a part of and the growth that the growth that I got as an individual has you know collectively that that growth channel from the moment I signed up to to the day we speak now has transformed me um not just physically but mentally as well I feel like I'm uh back to uh, the best I, I actually think I'm in the best physical and mental condition I have been in, in my professional working career would you tell us anything you said no to maybe because not because you didn't like it just because you didn't think it was right for you uh, oh, there was some there's some um, radio work uh, and I don't, I don't like to speak specifically about it because I, I think uh, it's unfair to people sure, um, sure. mainly people who do go on to do those jobs um, uh, there's some, yeah, some radio opportunities that uh, I didn't. I didn't follow because um, I didn't. I, Twenty years in radio. I don't want to repeat stuff. I want to do new stuff. And also, too, I wanted to. Uh, if I go back to radio, I'd like to do it in a different way with different learnings and a different um, mindset. Uh, and it would be a better way of doing it if I was to do it in the future. Um, there's some reality television programs that I might have been. Um, asked about but again they were, they were not the right ones for me you know um i needed i needed something truly monumental um to lure me and that was the sas it's it's just it is either for it's they say that in, in all the messaging it is either for you or it's not for you it is it's some people it is just not for them and for other people it is just everything for them um so you know for me i felt like that was that was the one for me um, where it leads to now, I don't know. I'd love to see what presents from this. Um, but, um, also too, I'm not, you know, um, pausing on anything or holding on anything or, or, or waiting on anything. I'll just, just take everything as it comes. But, you know, do I want to sign up to another reality show? Um, I was asked about it, uh, before this went to air and, um, uh, again, I passed on something. I was like, I don't know whether or not it was a formal offer. I think it was just a, you know, as often they are, is just a just a first general um, kind of would they be interested? And I said, I don't think that one that one's not for me. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, and I feel like I've done that. I do a hundred percent believe that I've ticked a pretty pretty decent um, crack at reality television. <laughs> Well, I, I foresee quite a few offers coming your way in the next uh, couple of months. Tell me, uh, you've done some good acting work, a couple of fun cameos. Would yeah. you like to do more of that? 
Oh, James, I love it. I love it. And this is, you know, we're not talking about, you know, the mental dexterity, which I love. I love something as serious as, as SAS where it's just like super laser focused and that crazy face that I know I have where I look a little bit like I'm having a stroke, but I'm not. Um, I love that, but then I love to balance that with comedy. And I think that's helped me enormously with my comedies. Having that polarity between the, those two mindsets has actually really helped me with my comedy. So I was actually slated to be doing some filming now um, for uh, a scripted comedy, um, but it's been pushed back. COVID has meant that it has been um, delayed again. Um, and I was really, really looking forward to that. But that, that will... Uh, present itself again in the new year I'm hoping um, unless something unforeseen happens but um, I was offered a role and uh, I accepted it it's it's awesome and I can't wait to go and do it so yeah acting would love to do some more acting I really enjoy it Um, and I you know I I just enjoy doing stuff (laughs) I enjoy doing it all people love what you do because you give it your all whatever you do you give it your all and this might seem like a weird segue but but you've just moved house recently Yep. Now, you sold your house to one of the best renovators in the business, I think. Is that correct, Cherie Barber? She, uh, she, she's, she purchased the house. I don't really yeah. know anything about it, to be honest. But, but that must be a bit of a buzz that someone who's the, who does some amazing work in um, renovation thought your property was so good she had to have it. <laughs> or either that or she's gone, he's done such a terrible job, I need to fix it. <laughs> 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 maybe they maybe that so maybe the next offer I might be on the biggest loser because they go you think you've done a good job of renovating your body Merrick well guess what we are going to turn you into a real one yeah, um, yeah look I, I don't know uh, much about that to be honest I, I don't um, <laughs> I don't know but, yeah, but we're sort uh, of flattering maybe anyway. Well, you know what's you know what's interesting is as we're zooming right now, I'm living in a Meriton apartment. So <laughs> I'm not even joking. I really didn't manage to get myself another house. I had a very, yeah. very long settlement in my home. And um uh George and I are not exactly sure where and what we want to do with our living arrangements. So for the time being, we're we're in a service department in uh, in right in the heart of the city in Meriden and it's been awesome. So yeah. at the moment, that's where you find me. This, that's why I've got the incredible decor that your listeners can't <laughs> hear, hear or see, but uh, you can see behind me is class. Because I look I look a little bit like I'm in a brothel. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, I don't. So just, just to finish up then, what else you got going on? Tell me about what's Grapes of Myrrh? Oh, Grapes of Mirth is, is my little baby. It's my dream and I love it. Grapes of Mirth is um, a, a partnership that I've got with a friend of mine in Adelaide and uh, we run a company where we basically host um, large-scale comedy events like uh, outdoor comedy events in wineries right around the country and it combines two of my great passions, which is, of course is comedy and, uh, and wine. And I, I've got some um, reasonable wine qualifications, which I've been um, afforded some great opportunities with Delicious Magazine and, and uh, other avenues um, to explore. And I love wine and I love comedy and I love people, as you know. So it's just was the most natural fit. And um, so we are right now trying to plan around the COVID restrictions to bring events to people in wineries uh, before the end of the year, um, God willing. Um, but obviously we had to pivot during COVID and do some online stuff, but it's, it's awesome. I love it. I love wine. I love, you know, the sense of sharing that you get with wine as opposed to just, you know, consuming alcohol. It's a completely different bag of, of fish. I don't think you even have bags of fish, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's, um, 
Yeah, it's great. And obviously I'm continuing working on that. And that has been, until COVID, was absolutely thriving. Uh, and that's, that I left, when I left radio, that's what I, I started Grapes of Mirth in my last year of radio in the, the February of my last year of radio. And I did one event and I knew that it was, my gut just said to me, this, this, you need to do this. You absolutely have to do this because it was just all of the things I loved in one. And it felt like the right time It was the last year of my contract. Um, so that all kind of worked off nicely. So that's now like three years in the making and we're pretty much in every state uh, and territory around the country. And, um, and hopefully once, you know, COVID relaxes and people can get out and enjoy themselves, we'll expand that even further. Yeah, well, there's a Grapes of Mirth on a page on Facebook, so if you want to find out what's going on, that's, that's the place to, to check that out. A- any other little fingers in pies that we should mention? Or? Oh, you know, there's a, you know what the media game's like. They get a bit of a froth up. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, few, there's a few people looking and asking questions, which is great. It's, it's, yeah. it's, always, you know, it's always better to be wanted than unwanted. Yes. Um, but like with anything, James, you know, this is about the choices you make. You know, I always say, I used to say this about when Rosso and I transitioned from uh, Triple J to Nova is that people know the one time you sell out, but they don't know all the times you don't. <laughs> yeah. So it's about the things that sometimes what defines you is the things that you say no to, not the things you say yes to. So um, at the moment, I'm just kind of looking at things and, and waiting to see how this show rolls out and how I feel about things personally and professionally. Uh, but like I said, I'm a hundred percent mean it. I've never ever been in a, uh, a better space in my, in my career and in my work environment, you know, headspace particularly um, and physical. So it's uh, I'll, the next thing I do will be an advantage and that's what I want to do. I want to go into whatever I go into next um, red hot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Look, uh, congratulations again on SAS Australia. Be fascinating to watch um, your progress through the series. Um, yeah. Touch wood that uh, there's quite a few episodes left with you in it. And um, really appreciate your time today at Media Week. Absolute pleasure, James. Always good to speak to you. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Mary.